0: Hello everyone, I am Mariah Parsons, I'm your host. If you are new to Learn to Listen, welcome, and if you are a regular listener, thank you. Learn to Listen is a mental health and wellness podcast Designed to encourage vulnerability in storytelling and to empower through empathy. If you like the show, please, please, please go subscribe on your favorite listening platform. I also have built out our social media. Um, So we are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, the whole, you know, every channel, omni-channel experience. Wherever you like to find your content best, it's there for you. Hello, and welcome to Learn to Listen. Today we are joined by Armando Sanchez Mondo, welcome. I am so happy to have you here. Um, it's been a long time coming that we have spoken about having you come on my podcast. Um, so very excited before we get kicked off into all the different topics that I want to ask you about today, say hi to everyone. Give yourself an intro. I'm super glad to have you here.
1: Sweet, Thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, My name is Armando Sanchez. Uh, Currently, I work as a product manager um, based in Indianapolis, originally from California, so new to the Midwest, but I definitely love the ethos out here, and it's grown on me a ton. I definitely thought the four years in South Bend uh, for undergrad were more than enough, but Uh, bought a house. So I'm here for a little while longer, at least.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Very, very adult of you um, to buy a house in Indianapolis. It is a great area. Um, So as Mondo hinted at um, him and I both went to Notre Dame. He is the class above me. So class of 2020. Um, But funny enough, we never crossed paths in undergrad and it was our fellowship that brought us together. And so for those of you who aren't familiar with the OR Fellowship, it's a two-year postgrad program for personal and professional development. Mondo is, of course, a year older than I am and just graduated out of OR Fellowship. Um, so that was one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, and like going into a little bit of your background, being from California, West Coast, moving to the Midwest. As you know, I'm from East Coast, moved to the Midwest. And now, for the um, unforeseeable future, we'll continue to be here. Mm-hmm. What was it like? What was it like graduating um, Notre Dame, coming into the workforce? Yes, during COVID. Um, and like, can you can you describe what that whole process was like? And then, now that you're three years into the working world, what do you wish you would have known? Um, like when you first started your career.
1: Yeah, definitely. So pretty wild to think that, yeah, coming up on year three of being a working, contributing member of society. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And in terms of the transition to work, I mean, the whole recruiting and aspect of work. As a whole, I was a very late bloomer, so I majored in political science, thought for sure I was going to be going to law school. did everything I could to prepare myself, had a lot of conversations, passed, had the application, took the LSAT. And I ended up missing my goal score by like a point. And instead of, you know, kind of freaking out or trying to take the test again, because I did not enjoy that process. <laughs> I kind of saw that as the straw that broke the camel's back and it was just like a sign to like do something else at least, and, like, get some more exposure. So looking for a job was pretty new for me. Everything else I'd done related in some way or form to becoming a lawyer. And when I found or, I was looking at other jobs, and I'd basically just walk and be like, I wanted to be an attorney, and now I don't. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> how can you help me get a job? Where do I go? <laughs> yeah, what? like, what is this? look like and I would literally just talk to recruiters and it ended up going pretty well like I had a lot of really good interviews and conversations with people and opportunities to pursue and or was just the one that really paved a very clear path forward and was very smooth and I I just enjoyed the opportunity honestly to, to what I looked at it have two years where I couldn't get fired theoretically mm-hmm. like, I'd have to really mess up to get fired and I was like, all right, well, if I really want to go to law school, then I need to be studying a lot. So, like, that'll be totally fine. And that was my mindset coming in. And so, when I started working, I didn't realize that it was going to be very enjoyable for me. Uh, and I think it was <laughs> what just, a like, funny concept. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know, <laughs> it's like, live to work, uh, work till you die, and then maybe you'll have a retirement and enjoy some of it. But I really enjoyed the aspect of meeting new people and solving problems and bringing a different perspective. I got into tech. So I was a tech project manager out of political science uh, and I had no experience in the field. So it was all just a ton of learning and I hadn't learned at that clip and in, in a way that was not scholastic, like having your, your professional career be tied to the amount of of information that you can intake and then digest and spit back out and make sense to other people of was very different. And I enjoyed that process. So I got really excited to learn about new things, uh, to meet new people and collaborate with others. So there was one thing I would have known going into that would have been how how much of your job is going to be just a continuous learning process, and nobody has any answers for how anything she could get done or should get done it's It's a like a big group project, and I think I put a lot of pressure on myself early on to not mess up, and that's just unrealistic, so yeah, <laughs> I we I would have had some more realism going in, yeah. Uh, Saved me some, some like days where I was just super hard on myself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. I don't think I've ever thought about how before starting work I like anticipated that it would be like perhaps less fun than school or like less fun because you're like school is like you're around your friends, right? Or, um, there's like that social aspect that's expected when you're going to school. And then it kind of like, everyone's like, Oh, after graduation, like that drops off. And then, you know, you, you just have work. And then you're just, you're doing mm-hmm. that until you retire. Yeah. Um, so I love that you kind of painted that picture. Why do you think like, okay, so why do you think that as like, we have that perception of work? I'm curious. Like, I know you'll, you'll chase this meta question with me, like, cause I don't know if it's a generational thing. Cause I feel like, now work is becoming more of that like choose your own adventure choose what you is important to you like you can work remotely in some jobs you can choose to go into the office you can um like work culture is becoming more important connecting with people social media it's easier to have like more access to more information why do you think like why do you think growing up we kind of had that perception of work like perhaps not being as enjoyable as luckily we're both finding it now
1: yeah I mean there's a lot of aspects to that I think to unpack I'm a first generation college graduate both of my parents worked very blue collar careers and jobs and a majority of my family did as well so that's the scope that I understood work from you Mm -hmm. know like my dad would have work outings um, where there'd be like barbecues or things like that. And he'd have his friends from work, but I mean, he worked graveyard shifts. I like, there'd be days I wouldn't see him for like weeks on end. Cause he'd be at work. I'd be at school. We wouldn't overlap. And like, that was work for me. Mm. I didn't see work as like talking through problems about how technology can solve, uh, solve a problem and help, People down the road and think of it in, in that way. And so, I mean, there's even like a, a funny story with my nephew. Like, I was on my computer at home back in California working. And then he was like, Do you just play video games all day? Like, oh what are my you gosh. <laughs> like, are you working? And he just like popped up. And he's like, What are you doing? And I was like, In a meeting. And then I was like, I'm in a meeting, dude. Like, what are you talking about? Um. And then I popped him up and then he was just like, what, like, what is this? You know, because his dad worked with my dad. Like my brother works with my dad Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: very similar. Like there are times where he's working graveyard and his mom goes into work too. So that's just the perspective of work that blue collar families or a lot of people just face. So that was, that's what made my like perception. But the cool thing was like that same nephew asked me he's like can you take me to the beach and then i was like dude i have work like i can't take you to the beach and he's just looking at me he's like just bring your laptop like, oh. you oh my God. <laughs> and so like even as like a five-year-old he understood like some of the things that you touched on on the flexibility that working from a computer having a, a job that isn't tied to an office or tied to the rigid the rigidity Of a typical nine to five is i mean i didn't even explain it to him like he was a five-year-old he just understood it and it was like insane to think about so long-winded way of saying like how i have how i grew up understanding work to now where i am doing work there was just a huge disconnect and so the experience in that kind of continued learning process has filled in those gaps and then the thing that i think i appreciate the most is i get to share that with my family being my nephew being uh you know my dad anyone around and just like those kind of opportunities like my mom is doing a uh certification program right now through a the same scholarship program that i'm doing and like that's the ethos and essence of like a 21st century work culture is like anyone at any age can learn how to use a laptop, how to build skills and how to like change her trajectory. Now she in the future will have opportunities to work from home and uh that's just game changing. So I've yeah. experienced a lot of that dynamic and spectrum. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, that's super interesting. Like I, I wouldn't have thought of the like, the story that you told with your nephew of, like, the age difference of, like, oh, of course, five-year-old is going to understand, like, his father leaves for work every day and leaving the home is, like, a sent like, that's all, right, the, your nephew probably knows. It's, like, he just leaves and then comes back, but then seeing you mm-hmm. also working, but you're staying at home, I'm sure is like, like you said, like he was like able to make the connections, but of course the beach story, that's really cute that he's like, (laughs) just bring your laptop. Um, but I love that you touched upon those differences. And like, I love that you reflected with your childhood as well. And like growing up of what you saw with your parents. And so what was it now that you just mentioned the scholarship, um, program that is that you shared with your mother and she's now going through at the same time, but can you, like, I guess, tell us about what it was like to be a first-generation college grad for your family? Like, walk us through kind of the emotions that you felt like in undergrad and now post-grad.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's still crazy to think about the amount of things that had to have gone right that did and just the way that things played out. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's something that I I think about a lot because like just statistically speaking it should not have happened um and so I guess looking at it from the beginning no one in my family had ever gone to college or explained how to go to college or any of those sorts of things and I come from a massive family so my mom she has seven sisters so, there's eight girls and there's one boy, and each of them had at least three kids, as many as seven. That's just like on my mom's side of the family. Huge you know? family.
0: My dad yeah. has
1: like five siblings. They all have like three or four kids too. So, everyone pretty much worked like really blue collar jobs um, from the Central Valley of California. So, if you're familiar with like Cesar Chavez and uh, the agricultural influence in the Central Valley is huge uh still it's like the breadbasket of the world anything you look at like fruit any of that stuff you look at it a lot of dairy products it's more than likely going to come from the central valley of california and so Mm -hmm. that's that was the ecosystem i operated in. my understanding of like jobs um and that's what a lot of my family members did no one really would do like the go be a chemical engineer and then work on the product sample and be like running a forklift within a warehouse or kind of doing the manual labor aspect of it. Um, And no one really had gone to university or to college, even at a community college level, to then enter that different from like, that different workspace from blue collar to white collar. And early on, my mom literally just told me, you're going to go to college. And she had told like my other siblings, but for some reason it just resonated with me in my core. And for like young, I started believing it like four or five years old, I'd be in, in my classes, like, yeah, I'm going to college. And it was just a belief, like it was just unshakable belief from nowhere, realistically, because like <laughs> no one knew what this path would look like. It's like, just go to college. And it was like, all right, I'm going to go to college. And so definitely took a village to, understand what that would take so at definitely at key points um teachers would kind of tap me on the shoulder and I would explain to them my scenarios or whatever and they'd vouch for me to be in honors classes or to do x y and z and to get involved and that process led to in high school I thought I was going to go to to college for sports more than anything Mm -hmm. um and I had some teachers and some counselors say like, Hey, you're really smart. Like you don't necessarily need to do that. And I got really involved with like student government, which opened a whole nother path of doing things and experiencing things and moving outside of my bubble. Um, Cause though we lived in California, like we went to Disneyland once and I was like, Whoa. Seven. yeah, like okay. we didn't travel you know Uh like we didn't have money to travel we stayed where we lived and I don't think I left the state of California until I was like 16 yeah wait was that
0: with the student government that you traveled and that's
1: how I left yeah
0: (laughs) okay that's cool yeah that's what I thought you meant and then I was like wait maybe he's just talking about normal like like Disneyland with your family but I was like student government going to Disneyland that's that's so So crazy we
1: went to Disneyland for the student government thing I did go to Disneyland so everyone in everyone believes that everyone in california just like lives at disneyland (laughs) and that's just a misconception like it's yeah it's far it's expensive Uh, um it's difficult to get to (laughs) like so (laughs) for us that just wasn't a reality and we had gone one time so i went when i was seven okay um never went to like sequoia national park which is like 45 minutes from where i lived um we go to the beach every now and again, it's like two hours away, but we didn't travel much. Like you just didn't do those things. And then I got involved in the student leadership stuff and the student government stuff. And like, they did host a conference at Disneyland and like I got to stay in the resort and hang out and see stuff. And it's like that, that program is what allowed me to see a lot of different pieces of the United States. Like they allowed me to go to New Mexico and go on a leadership conference and meet new people Go to Washington, go to Washington the State and go to Washington, DC. Like they really provide a super strong platform to expand my bubble and like learn more within. It was like a microcosm of like in California. And then it was like, okay, nationwide. And that really started solidifying, like, all right, I'm focusing on school, sports. I stopped doing sports like sophomore year of high school. And that was super controversial, because ever not many people do sports like either So it's like <laughs> the only people not going to college people aren't playing sports. It's really just like there was a ton of pressure there <laughs> for things like mm-hmm. that um but i I made that decision that like hey i I need to focus on this bigger goal of like getting to college like that's way more important than playing any sport mm-hmm. um. And so that village of people that really just believed in me and uh, kind of pointed me in the right direction helped me out a ton and helped me navigate the whole process. Because I couldn't go to my mom or to my dad and ask them to fill out forms or ask them, you know, what what was next or to review my essays or to do this or to do that. It was Leaning a lot on my teachers, leaning a lot on my mentors uh, and leaning a lot on the scholarship programs that were available because they spelled it out. Mm -hmm. Like QuestBridge scholarship program, huge scholarship program for first gen students. They lay out like this is how you're going to apply. Excuse me, this is everything you're going to need. So then I would take that recipe and then be like, mom, I need this. Dad, I need this. Counselor, I need this teacher, I need this teacher, I need this. I took the tests and like, I was filling out scholarships to take the tests and to be in the classes. And so basically took that menu or that roadmap on how to get to college and mm-hmm. just executed it. Um, and then getting in brought its own can of worms and, I'm sure. um, I, I definitely apply. I applied to a ton of schools. So I probably like 25 schools Um, didn't know. I didn't step foot on college campus before I like went to college. And so mm, it was all just so foreign. Yeah. Like yeah. I didn't do visits. Like we couldn't go and visit campuses actually. Okay. I did. I didn't visit, but the, the student leadership had a program at university of California, Santa Barbara, mm. but like we did leadership stuff that we weren't like, I wasn't like, oh, what's your course curriculum look like? Yeah. What is this? Po- like, what does this program look like? Or what are your scholarship opportunities? Or what does it look like to be a student? It was like, this is on the beach and it's nice. Like, yeah. <laughs> You've just they, seen the they, building. They, like, the like yeah. 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 So it was all super foreign. Um, got in uh to Notre Dame through Questbridge and yeah, I mean, that was just, just, that's a moment I'll never forget. Like I was sitting on my grandpa's couch. He had passed away like a year before, but we'd all bought in. Like, it was like, I'm going to college. Like I told him, like, I'm going to college. My grandma, I'm going to college. Everyone was like, I'm going to college. And so I was sitting on his couch, got an email. I wasn't supposed to get an email from Notre Dame, but I did. And it was the welcome home. And I'm like, I refreshed it, it, turned my phone off, like turned it back on. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> my mom was on the porch and then I just looked at it again and I was like, like, it's real. And I went Mm -hmm. outside and was like, I just got into Notre Dame. Like, and she screamed and like everyone woke up and like my grandma came out of the the room. Like what happened? What happened? And I was like, I just got into college. Like she doesn't know what Notre Dame is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I'm going to college. Um, and It was just crazy like that whole process was crazy and the that started like that was in december uh and the rest of them kind of came in but it ended up being like either stay in california or go to notre dame and there were like a lot of things that i weighed into that decision um things that pretty typically like other people don't have to weigh in like one thing that was huge for me was i was a very much big part of my family's day-to-day life and kind of facilitating between people, communicating with people, helping out with my brother's kids and helping out my sister and um, just helping in general, helping everyone. Yeah. So when your family's X size big, big, like big things pop up all the time, whether it be birthday parties, whether it be baptisms, whether it be oh, this happened, or people being in the hospital, like, like, every week. It's a whole, yeah, it could fill your calendar. (laughs) never ends. And so I had to really take that into consideration. It was like, if I'm at a school in California, there's no way that I would easily be able to say or be able to think about, the repercussions of saying like, oh, well, I'm not going to such and such event, like I have to study for an exam. Or like, if I got called in an emergency, it's like, I can't go like I have a test or these things. um. And so the big decision for me that I had to weigh was like, what's going to allow me to fully just invest and have mm. no excuses. um. And that was Notre Dame. And like, there were many, many reasons that Notre Dame was a clear yes for me. And I think It was like the university selects you. You don't select it type thing Um, felt at home there. But that main, main reason was like, I knew I'd be able to focus. And at the end of the day, I went to college with like 500 bucks. And I was like, paid for all the stuff to fill my, (laughs) my dorm room and already had to pay off my flight to get there. So I had no money. Mm-hmm. and it was like if something happened like I'm sorry I can't go back I'm here yeah like, I'm, <laughs> I'm at, <laughs> for better I'm for worse now. I'm here yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm in Indiana. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and so that was just the easiest way for me to really focus and and ensure that I wouldn't do anything that would jeopardize my academic Performance or the ability to like graduate college, right? Because getting in is a lot easier than graduating. Yeah. Um, That's a common, common plight amongst first gen students is like colleges are very happy to bring students in, but getting them through to the finish line is one of the most difficult things. And so, once I was there, I mean, it was tough. Like I definitely <laughs> cried like the first night. I was like, what the hell did I do? <laughs> like, <laughs> Why am I like,
0: in Indiana? <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: <laughs> like my roommate wasn't in the room yet. And I was sad and like realized how poor I was. <laughs> and, uh, just like so much stuff. I missed my family. And I was just like, I can't do this. But there was literally no other option. Yeah, I'm sure a
0: ton of emotions like going through all of that. But you, I'm happy to hear at least you had the faith that you're like, okay, I know I need to be here. I know it's good for me to be here, even though in the moment it's a lot of change. Like just picking up, leaving home, especially when all of your family is in California. Mm -hmm. Um, It was hard for me, and my family is only a family of five in Jersey and the rest of our families in canada right so like i can only imagine um having all your family members all the events that you know you're going to miss weigh in on you while you're there alone and you're like this is a new space i've never been here before Um, (laughs) kind of having a little bit of a moment where you're like oh god what am i doing and then hopefully you know you start finding your way through freshman year um welcome week starts hopefully hopefully you feel yeah you feel a little bit better um Mm -hmm. quick question what did you this was a while back but what did you mean by like you weren't meant to get the email saying you were you got into Notre Dame
1: yeah so QuestBridge they have certain schools that will if you do because QuestBridge's application is in the first week of November Mm, okay. it's from primarily early decision and so you rank all your schools and you apply and they'll let you know and so I didn't get early decision anywhere I applied to like 12 schools so that was also like I guess I'm not going to college like what's what's going on uh-huh. um, and there are certain schools where you'll get moved from early decision to early action to give you another chance mm-hmm. and Notre Dame wasn't on that list so gotcha. I thought that the other schools I'd be waiting until April, mm.
0: uh,
1: and they. I ended up talking to the guy who actually made that change with QuestBridge, and I was telling them the same story, and he was like, "Yeah, I changed that," and I was like, <laughs> "Oh my wow. god, like that's insane! I like, whoa, <laughs> it's a
0: simulation. We live in a yeah, simulation. I just, that's what I that tells me." Give me a
1: hug, dude. Like that's unreal. So yeah that's that's what that meant okay
0: okay gotcha I was I didn't know if you meant it like literally you weren't like something in the text like in in the logistical part you were like not supposed to get it um mm-hmm. or if you just meant like in general you're like you know I shouldn't be getting it like that so yeah that's yeah, so no. cool that you you know got to meet the person that was able mm-hmm. to um help you in that process. And then one other thing, which thank you for providing all that background. I think it's so fascinating, even yeah. having known like known you for the past two years. Um, it's always fun to like sit down and sift through some of the stuff we don't get to talk about um, yeah. in our backgrounds, but you said like the pressure to stop sports or so there was a lot of like, I guess, um, imbi- ambiguity or, you know, just, yeah. Pressure, I guess is the best word. How mm-hmm. did you like deal with that or process? Because you're pretty like even keeled in terms mm-hmm. of <laughs> how you go about your everyday life. But I could yeah. see if like sports was always the end all be all shifting to like academics. Um I could see that being a little bit bit of a point of friction.
1: It definitely was. And it was for a lot of reasons, like as a former athlete, like you know, a lot of your friends yeah Uh, come from those bonds on the field and the practice etc and those bonds reach with coaches those bonds reach with family members um and it was just the best decision for me Mm -hmm. like and that that's what it came down to so it was hard for sure like I'm pretty sure my parents didn't weren't really fully on board with it a majority of my family members like were a hundred percent not on board with it <laughs> they're very upset um and it was difficult I mean I was wrestling varsity like freshman and sophomore year um knew the coach well was primed for a really good season uh football wise I was definitely going to continue playing and eventually start and I mean in the microcosm that is high school it's like that's definitely the biggest thing right yeah for Um, sure and from like a social setting that was definitely difficult and from a familial setting it was difficult so it was like being smushed between like everyone else basically saying you're making the wrong decision um, and just taking a gamble. But mm-hmm. I had done my research, like I thought through exactly what the type of opportunity, focusing on school and doing like focusing on student, student leadership and other volunteer opportunities and really investing in that, what those pros and cons were. Um, and at the end of the day, I could see like a bigger picture of what can happen and, you know, what the long-term vision was. And some of the people that I like confided in, like it was, it was really interesting because some people were like, kind of like, I ah, don't do it. But I explained to them that kind of vision, like, Hey, like other people that have done these programs and have done X, Y, and Z, like they've ended up at these schools and like, I know based on where my family is economically, like if I get into these schools, like can get some pretty good scholarships. And like some people were receptive to that and other people were like, that's a shot in the dark. Like, yeah. Like, what are you doing? Um, But after I ended up getting into Notre Dame and kind of figuring out all the financial aid stuff and basically getting a full ride, it was like all those other people were like, dang, dude, like you called it, like you called (laughs) your shot. That's crazy. Yeah.
0: Funny, funny Um, how it, how the narrative flips, right? Like once you get,
1: Oh my God, you're my favorite student. Or like you're my favorite (laughs) athlete or whatever. And so it was a, it was one of those things where it was just, I, I had that belief in like that goal of getting to college really, I think helped me be able to look at it from a bigger perspective rather than being like, Damn, i f fr- I'm not gonna be able to play football with my friends, or um my family can't come and support me on the field anymore or anything like that. So yeah, it was hard. Definitely a tough decision. Still yeah. in your chat about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> People listening from like your high school are like, oh my god, I remember that now. Um yeah. no, that I think that speaks a lot to like the confidence and self-awareness that I've seen, which is so I mean, it's just I applaud you for having that in high school, too, because I feel like I, at least myself, know that a lot of my confidence was gained in college. And so, like, me, I in high school, I was trying to do everything and, like, Mm -hmm. relatively successful at it. Um, And so I can only imagine, like, sports was such a huge part of my life, right, in high school and evidently college. Um, But if I had to make that decision where it was, like, clubs and stuff like that i didn't i wasn't super super involved with um our student government but yours your student government sounds like it was just way more extensive than ours like i was i was our god i think like secretary maybe yes class Mm -hmm. secretary and it was like just meetings like before school and we would like help with events and stuff it wasn't traveling and leadership conferences right like it was more just um like volunteering on the weekends that I could do like every now and then, but sports was such a big part of my life and just all, like you said, my friends and everything. Um, so yeah, I, I think if I had been asked to stop sport, then it it would have definitely, um, pushed my like confidence and awareness and like willpower to do that. If I had to choose like academics or sport. So I applaud mm-hmm. you for having
1: Done it. <laughs> Definitely. Um, no, it, was, it was difficult. But again, like, so in terms of the student leadership thing, and also speaking to like the serendipity of just dominoes that fell that were like unreal in the succession that they happened, that kind of allowed me to really be in a position to make that decision was. The school had gotten a grant to do student leadership, to invest Mm. more in student leadership and to invest more in student activities and student government. And that allowed us. Thankfully, there's a high school teacher of mine um, that was, was super involved, like had to have had a high school teacher that was super involved in student leadership at the state level, had to have had him get a grant, had to have gotten the grant. And then had to have fit on a schedule to have the director of that program come and host an event. So that's how I met her. And at that event, I was sweeping the floor as the event was ending. And there were people talking to her about how to get involved with the organization. And she had told my teacher, like, after he's like, hey, like, who was the kid sweeping the floor? Mm. And it was like, she was like, that I want to talk to him. And all of these things like happen. And then she's basically like, talk to some of the people. Cause it was like the state student government thing of California. Okay. Um, and she was like, talk to some of the people on the board, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then I did. And then I had those conversations like, can you play sports? Like, what does it look like? Where are you going to college? Like, w- you know how can this really play out Mm -hmm. Um, and through that interview process and learning then I was like all right I'm gonna send it and if I get on the board I do and then I ended up getting on the board and then being the president of the board and that's how like all of the other stuff that kind of filled in the gaps of a pretty crazy experience of being able to travel the country and meet new people and go up and down the state of California as a 16 17 year old kid kind of happened so
0: yeah good for her for that's a true like level what was it level five leader or
1: she's a, uh, the epitome of a great leader 100 yeah
0: to like oh. see you helping out and doing the you know the work of like just without being asked, like sweeping the floors, like and yeah. helping out, um, being able to recognize, be like, I want to talk to that kid, like that kid's a hard yeah. worker, which I'm sure, oh. like going back to your family's background, like probably seemed like nothing, right? Like you're like, oh, you just sweep the floor, like you you just help out where you can, um, yeah. like my was, my, like, yeah, will yeah. oh, go uh, ahead,
1: yeah. I was gonna say I just knew the janitor, and yeah. I was like, Jerome, like I take care of this dude. Don't worry about it. Like we made the mess, we'll pick it up. Yeah. That like that's where that came from. And it's like again, just like people are people, the janitor is a janitor, like a person is a person. And if I can help someone, I'm not gonna not help them. Like yeah,
0: yeah. there's an
1: opportunity to help someone and I feel an inclination. It's like usually the right thing to do. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Definitely usually the right thing to do. And I think that um speaks to like your integrity as well of just, like, being a human, but also, like, you know, for us, our our fellowship um, focuses a lot on leadership and mentorship, and I know for each other, like, we're our accountability buddies, Um, so... for we're gonna we're, i'm gonna try my best to explain how this even came about but we were both um there's a company called blind zebra here in indianapolis they're a partner company of or fellowship shout them out uh but we both attended like virtually a was it was it like the business leadership conference or like some some webinar mm. and they shared like a personal uh personal business plan like how to kind of mark out like your goals, your champions who can help support you, um, like your differentiators that like numerical and personal, um, things will, that will like help you get along with your personal business plan. So you're very entrepreneurial in spirit, always motivated, um, to like be learning more, driving yourself towards success. Um, and I would say I'm pretty similar in that way. Maybe not as 100%. entrepreneurial in like the business aspect, but definitely in the personal development space. And so um, you had reached out. You are like I, like, I know you're on this conference too. Let's be accountability buddies. I was like, perfect. This will be great. And we've been doing it since, was it, oh God, was it September that we started? When did we start? Was it was like last year, yeah. Yeah, no, right? Really like sure. we're definitely in our second six months stint
1: (laughs) third i think
0: are we okay see this is where timelines are (laughs) messed up in my mind so okay third um and so for this like next i guess part of the podcast i'd love to go over like why you think you're so driven to like develop yourself personally because this is a question i ask myself a lot of Mm -hmm. like why do i find there's so much fulfillment in like reading and working on this podcast and um like connecting with people trying to learn about their stories and i don't know if it's necessarily like i think it's from the way i was raised um Mm. in that like my family really values bettering yourself and bettering other people so i find a lot of fulfillment from that but what would you say like if, if you can pinpoint why do you think like holding yourself accountable that integrity like you just said helping um other people like people are people helping them clean up like where do you think that comes from
1: yeah so definitely I think a lot of it is upbringing and there's another part for sure about the awareness of like a a very human condition of the mirror like statistical miracle that is that we are alive able to have this conversation right now like at this point in time and I think I'm very familiar with the likelihood or the statistical background of me being where I am right now Mm -hmm. and it just feels like way too big of an opportunity to ever squander and I, that's just always like on my heart, in my mind, there with me, because when I think about things that kind of happened in succession and other moments, and um, kind of where I like where I could have been on a detractor scale and on an accelerator scale, it's pretty wild to think about like where I am and the the succession of yeah. events that had to have happened in a certain way in order to be where I am now and I'll say and, it
0: too like how successful you are and yeah. <laughs> where you are right now yeah it's, as it's well. pretty nuts mm-hmm. and
1: I just that's a super exciting thought for me and something that I've been really trying to like some demons I've been trying to exercise or whatever is like I've always felt like I was lazy and I'm really trying to hone in on effort and being able to really have the tranquility with myself, like internally, my internal state saying, like, I gave a lot of effort. I worked really hard and I tried my best. And whatever happens, like, it's going to happen, but there's no way for me to lose sleep at night if I know that I tried really hard. And so, I think it's those three things is like my upbringing with my family, which has to do with having a, a big family, blue collar workers. I mean, a lot of my family, they've they've had a, a mixed experience in life, and I've seen you know some be incarcerated, some pass away, um, a lot of just different paths people took and knowing that I was very proximal to that. Like that's not something that was super far removed. There aren't many people that are doing what I'm doing in my family that are back home. Um, And so understanding that times, which like builds into that, being aware of the statistics of that occurring. yeah, And then also not knowing where a ceiling is. Like, I feel like there's, There's really no ceiling and that's crazy to think about. Like that's really, really wild to think about. And so that's what really energizes me because there, I don't see really where I can't see where things can go terribly downhill. If Mm -hmm. I'm working hard, trying hard, putting my best foot forward and really getting after it. So
0: yeah. Yeah. That I love that perspective. I love how you kind of like narrated on each part building on each other. Cause I do think that's like what the essence of life is, right? Like we're always building on previous knowledge. Um, Once we learn something else, it's like building blocks. And so one of the things that I feel like really shines through with you is your I don't know in in your intention of like always reading, always picking some up, something up, like always trying to connect other people, like provide value with, um, like connect someone with someone else that will provide value or connect them with like a podcast episode, like reference this and be like, oh, I thought about you while I was listening to this. Like, you should definitely mm-hmm. check it out. Um, so I wanted to ask you, like, because I mean, I kind of envy how much reading and like (laughs) how much learning you're able to do I know you know this because I like tell you this in our accountability um coffees but being able to like or because you've done so much reading and like you focused on mindset and you even took like your training certification course around it I'd love if you can share kind of things that you've picked up along the way you don't necessarily have to like cite them of course because I didn't ask you this beforehand to like bring resources prepared or like quotes or anything but what are a couple of things that have stuck around from like learning or connecting with people
1: Mm -hmm. yeah there's a lot I think a big part of this year was definitely around getting my mind right um 2021 was a very turbulent one and I felt like I was kind of going through the motions and had a pretty big loss in my family. So dealing with that and the fallout of that um, put me in like a pretty vulnerable headspace and um, definitely fell into a lull. And I actually listened to a book on the recommendation of my cousin. And it was called The Power of Your Subconscious Mind, and I've read more and listened more about the science, actually, behind what this dude, Dr. Joseph Murphy, talks about, but essentially, the majority of the cognitive activity that's going on for us and what we're experiencing is subject to the subconscious mind rather than our you know, cognitive mind that we can consciously make decisions with. And it's a phenomenon that people are still trying to understand. And it's like crazy. And so (laughs) there are all these like tips and tricks on how you can rewire your subconscious mind or how you can become more aware um, of how to influence it. And so that kind of led me down the rabbit hole of like, looking more at mindset and being more intentional about the things that I was thinking about being more intentional about the things that I value um and so one of those big things was I literally said like I value learning and reading I value yeah. that I love that um and began to speak about it in a manner that was like you know in college I would say like oh yeah I, I hate reading I'm so slow at it or it makes me tired every time I'd be like reading energizes me mm-hmm Reading energizes me, and I believe that. Like, I love it. And just that, like, once I started doing that, I was like, damn, like, I love it this is,
0: stuff. It <laughs> is energizing me. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like, I'm fired up right now. Like, this learning that. stuff is crazy.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And so that was, like, my first experience around the malleability of what we can do, like, as human beings. And working with our brain and understanding our brain. Um, so I took the course, Kevin Bailey, Dream Fuel, great people. Uh, and that just added more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And that allowed me to really just get myself kind of back together and be who I wanted to be, right? Like who who do I want to be? And that answer was someone who gives effort, someone who loves to learn, someone Who's uh, was consistently thinking of others who loves helping others and like created this huge list of things um, that I wanted to be and always made excuses that I couldn't be for X and Y and Z reason. Like I'm lazy. I can't get up, up in the morning. And I just decided to commit to waking up at like 430 in the morning and going to the gym. And it sucked, <laughs> like, it sucked so bad for the first week. Uh and then it felt like it was a season. Like my girlfriend and I were like, okay, what we do, we wake up at 4 30 and we go to the gym. And we go to the gym six days out of seven days out of the week, and that's what we do. And it's just like what you believe and what you kind of tell your, yourself you can do. And like there's outlandish things Other, out right? you'd be like, I'm gonna do X and Y and Z. I'm gonna write it in a journal and I'm gonna have 10 million dollars by next week. Like I mean, the likelihood of that is pretty low, Yeah. but if you focus really on your values and on your intentions and on who, you know, you want to be, there's so many benefits to that. And I think from a mindset perspective, that was the biggest takeaway because it's something that I'm aware of now. And if I start feeling, you know, unstable or, um, feeling like i'm losing my my grip on kind of my routine or on my like mental clarity then and i'm not being good about maintaining like my journaling or kind of thoughtfulness and meditation or whatever it may be or if i'm starting to hit a lazy spell like then i'm aware enough now to know how to snap out of that and get back into it like i had been going to the gym like in the evening i hadn't done that in a long time And so it's like, that's not what I do. And then today, up at 5.30, went to the gym, like reintegrating those paths and patterns. Because like, what do I do? I wake up in the morning and I go to the gym. So um, yeah, that's that's how, from my perspective, the whole mindset thing played about. But it's really just a belief system Mm -hmm. that allows you to, have your operating system and i just gave it a lot of thought and the things that i valued it's really cool actually to hear from you that you see those things come through on the other end because it's things that i really thought about and really wanted to um implement into my life to allow me to be my best version so
0: yeah no i definitely see it come through um Like, I I love that you said you have the tools after going through the mindset training of, like, tools that when you're getting, like, when you're in a lazy spell or when you're getting off track, you, like, know how to get back on it. And I think maybe it's because just from studying neuroscience or just from, um, like, having done leadership courses where that is more mindset oriented or just, like, sports psychology, they also, like, give you skills to for your mentality um mm. i'm de- like we're definitely aligned on that front of like i totally believe in your thoughts manifest in like so many different ways that we don't even understand like like the mm. um like your subconscious and so i think that's why we drive because it's like when i say like when i hear you say like you get up at 4 30 i am which i know <laughs> you know i don't do um <laughs> <laughs> But like, I'm like, okay, yeah, it is really if you tell yourself for a while, I was getting up in the morning and working out, which was unusual for me. Um, but like going through that process myself, and having you be a soundboard for that, I know that it influences a lot of how I see myself how like, when I'm in those moments where I'm like, Oh, I haven't been on top of my life, whether it's like work or professionally or emotionally, anything like I know it's like, oh, I can pinpoint pretty much 100% of the time like what's going on. It's like, oh, I haven't yeah. intentionally created space for myself to allow myself to go to the gym. Like I've either overbooking myself, too much spending too much time on this or like not being efficient or not being realistic with my goals and where I'm at right now. So I I definitely see that shine through and I know just from like – or fellowship in general. Yes. But like our accountability, it's like, Oh, I go, I spend a lot more time being intentional because I know we keep each other accountable. Mm. Um, and so one thing that I wanted you to kind of walk through too, and this was from our last meeting was you like the dopamine detox that you're doing. Cause yeah. I think this is just so interesting. So I want listeners to hear. And then like also the mindless timelessness, I think is what you called it. Like Walk yeah. us through like what you're doing and then we'll, we'll wrap up the episode with that. Cause I think it's very interesting. And I think a lot of people our age, especially like young mm-hmm. professionals would benefit from it, but just everyone in general. Cause you know.
1: Um, yeah. hundred um, percent. So in terms of the dopamine detox, that's not anything new, but I think it's something a lot of people hear about and don't do but I think it's good to do. Um, First time I ever heard about it was in high school. So a a speaker came in and talked about it. And then like, he said like, yeah, I'm doing a week, no phone, um, no laptop, no computer, just like chilling. And so for me, that looks like certain days on my weekend. I wasn't good this past weekend because I had to go to a lot of places and do events and stuff. But last Sunday, I was able to just, leave my phone, I just leave my phone somewhere else, not turn on the TV and just hang out. And that came from a book, um, the like the mindless timelessness, mindlessness and timelessness came from a book by Eckhart Tolle called the power of now. And that book just really really resonated with me um and what he talks a lot about is like as a a planetary like species or like the ecosystem of earth and like thinking about the interrelated like the interrelatedness of everything uh, really playing on that is you can feel the energy of a tree outside and like feel the energy of the grass growing and one of his points is like if you ask an owl or a bird like hey what time is it not only like can they not understand because they can't speak but if they if we could speak to wild animals or to anyone else it's like they would not understand even remotely like what time it is and Mm. the other point he touches on is like your mind right so there, it what he believes is there is a you like a spirit and energy and then there is a mind and what he's talking about is your mind is living out basically like a movie but if you're able to really pull like your consciousness back and see what you're thinking uh based on the thoughts that you pop up like hmm my girlfriend just called the dogs like what's going on that's like that's a thought. That's not me being focused on exactly what's in front of me, but I'm aware that I had a thought. And so once you reach the ability to be aware that you are thinking, then you can see what you're thinking about. And so stepping outside of that then allows you to say like, all right, well, let's quiet the mind. Like we're just not going to think about anything right now and just hang out. And so I'll find myself like, Hanging with my dogs, just laughing, like experiencing them and like they're psychotic dogs. <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> Gotta um, love them.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, love them dearly. And it's just yeah. quality, quality experience. And I was very tempted to say quality time. But like the other thing he talks about is, you know, there is like time is a is a construct that puts constraints on you to like stress you out. And there are logistical aspects of time. Right um but overall like if you can separate yourself from your mind and separate yourself from your time it's it's pretty weird like sometimes it goes fast sometimes it goes slow but it's just an opportunity to really clear everything going on up there um and allows for a good level set so dopamine detox definitely allows you to better prepare yourself to have those kind of moments um but yeah, Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now, crazy, crazy book. Um, and it's been good, good for me so far. I mean, I feel like it's helping out for sure. So,
0: <laughs> more quality experiences with yeah. your dogs. Um, no, I feel like that's a perfect, albeit somewhat trippy, like way to look at life, like looking at pulling yourself from your consciousness. It's like, it creates such a, interesting like visual in my mind Um, but I think that's a a wonderful note to leave people with in that great read one sounds like I know it's on my list that you've (laughs) provided me with (laughs) Um, but just the idea of being able to pull yourself away from your phone to better optimize yourself to like have those mindless and timelessness experiences and just be like Mm -hmm. super present um and detach like your present emotions and feelings and experience from like thoughts that are running throughout your head is is super interesting and i think a lot of people are gonna hopefully listen to that and like see how it applies to their uh to their life but this has been so much fun mondo yeah, i've absolutely <laughs> loved just having you as a friend as a mentor um As an accountability buddy and now being a guest on my podcast host or being a guest on my podcast (laughs) (laughs) and hosting you here today. It's been it's been wonderful. So thank you for making the time to do so and just being so intentional.
1: Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Always good chatting. Um, And yeah, really appreciative of the opportunity. And I am well aware of how crazy the books sound and how wild the (laughs) ideas are, but they've been working for me. Um, Multiple books on them. Some other ones are like The Surrender Experiment and The Untethered Soul by Michael Stringer. Um, And yeah, like, it's pretty weird. It's pretty weird stuff to think about. But I mean, it's brought us together. And, exactly. and having a good experience. So yeah, I kind of
0: love like, <laughs> that so out of body and meta, like that's what makes it fun. Right? <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that's phenomenal. Okay. Well, until next time, thank you, Mondo.
1: Sweet. Thanks, Brah. See ya.
0: Thank you all for listening and dedicating some of your time to listening to these conversations. And being an external part of that conversation, I hope you take away with each episode, maybe some new perspectives and some ways to reflect about how what we talk about pertains to your life and your own interests and goals.